We recently got asked a question inside of the Product Boss Mastermind in one of our hot seat calls that the question was, I would like to brainstorm ideas about the best ways to capitalize on Father's Day as it's coming up and I want to get in front of it. I feel like last year did not go as well as I had hoped, but I'm not really sure why. And now as we supported this masterminder in that question inside of the mastermind, I wonder to ask all of you. Do you ever have questions like this? So if you are making $250,000 to multi-million dollars a year, I'd love for you to consider the Product Boss Mastermind because at this stage in your product business, you are looking for high-level strategy, support, and a group of people who get it and encourage you to go after those goals you've only dreamed of. Now, the Product Boss Mastermind is where industry-leading multi-six and seven-figure product bosses scale connect and thrive inside an exclusive community for multi-six and seven-figure product bosses. So if you're interested in getting an application in, head to theproductbossmastermind.com. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlositev, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder, she has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Biz Founders. We are so excited to have you here. We have a special episode because it is an episode that we're going to record for AAPI Heritage Month. So that's Asian American Pacific Islander Month. As you all know, I'm your resident favorite Asian American. So... (laughs) Uh, we've had a few people on and we really wanted it to be something that we could start to do, but do more of. I don't know if you've noticed us bringing on different uh, voices and different backgrounds. And, you know, Johanna is one of um, the people in our mastermind and she has one of the most interesting backgrounds that I know um, just from being in a different generation, but also (laughs) that she does a lot and she's an entrepreneur. So today we have Johanna Porter of Porter's Candle Supply. Uh, Welcome to the show, Johanna. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I really enjoyed meeting everyone in the rest of Masterminders last week. Um, I'm just just excited. I'm also doing the same kind of doing a lot of AAPI Heritage Month towards the end of the month at Porter Candle Supply. We're buying from one, one to two new AAPI makers per day for the last 10 days of the month. So it's been exciting to engage in this community a little deeper towards the end of the month. Yeah, amazing. I mean, tell us a little bit more about that, right? Because you do have Porter Candle Supply, but mm-hmm. tell us about what you sell, what your business is, and yeah. kind of how you got here. Yeah, so Porter Candle Supply is my primary product-based business. I did join the mastermind with two businesses. I still have two. So my firstborn product-based business is Cozy Provisions, well, with K-Z-I-E. Um, and that's my... Um, clean home fragrance brand that I launched during COVID and Porter Candle Supply was kind of born from that. So I use all biodegradable, reusable products. And I had an issue with getting a lot of my raw materials in 2020. So I just started buying jars and wax. You know, I use a luxury wax by the palette for myself. And I just had made a lot of candle maker friends in the community across Texas and Houston and Dallas and Austin. And 
my friends would just say like, Hey girl, can I, can I get, you know, 200 pounds of wax or, you know, a hundred pounds. And I was like, well, I'm not going to deny someone getting, you know, the materials they need to keep their business running as well. Um, and it just kind of went on like that for a few months with Venmo's and little friends and family PayPal's um, until that was essentially unmanageable. And my fiance was like, maybe you should just start a little bespoke candle supply company. It's just so this is kind of legit <laughs> and you're not dealing with text messages and Venmo. So I literally just started Porter Candles Why as a need for myself and to help my personal friends in Texas get the materials they they needed that were not available in Texas. And mm-hmm. um, we, you know, we launched on Etsy with pictures from my phone with three waxes in the end of January of 2020. On a Thursday night, it was 8 p.m. I went to sleep and I woke up the next day with $13,000 in sales and here we are. So it's been a crazy ride. I mean, that was really the start of it, right? The start of the supply chain issues too. Oh, yes. I think I love that story because it just goes to show you how oftentimes it is where we solve our own problems and it just kind of takes on its new life from there. We don't really know like, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, a lot of people come from, oh, I made something and then somebody bought it for this, or I had this mm-hmm. problem for myself and, you know, address that. And then other people were asking me about it. So same thing with you. And it's really grown so, so fast. Mm-hmm. So tell um, a, more from there. So now what do mm-hmm. your lineup of businesses look like? Okay. So um, I have Cozy. That is my baby candle brand. And that, um, you know, is very, you know, it's a lot of it's wholesale right now. I don't spend as much time on it because I'm busy with order candle supply, but I have actually hired people last week to help me with all the pouring. So I'll be very hands-off with that minus just emails going out. Porter candle supply is probably more than a full-time job. My fiance owns 10% of the company. I own 90% of the company. Um, my sister was actually working with us in the beginning. And that was fun. Obviously, you know, we're both half Filipino, half white. She was candling more fulfillment uh, from Delaware, where she lives. And, you know, we started in our garage, as many of us do. And that was end of January of last year. And then within a couple months, you know, we'd taken up my Airbnb's garage. And then we had three storage units. We had four storage units. So in May of 2020, we signed a new, sorry, May of 2021, we signed a lease for a warehouse down half a mile from my house with two loading docks. 40 foot ceilings, a showroom, and that we moved into there in September. So our move in date was June, but it was pushed back. So we actually worked out of garages and storage units through the entire Austin summer. And I'm shocked that everyone that worked for me did not quit at that time. <laughs> so it's it not was, as easy as a loading dock. I actually just saw no. your loading dock where it's just, you know, loading docks are so handy because you can just kind of oh. roll the pallet right over. Oh, but yeah. When you have to do it from a garage, it's a whole, whole different story. Yes. And our, um, our driveway is a ramp. So it goes up. So we would literally get a, a, truck with a lift gate that would have to go down to the ground and wax pallets weigh about 22 to 2,500 pounds. And then we would have to carry those 45 pound to 55 pound boxes into my garage. So oh my I was doing that completely by myself essentially until July when we hired our first full-time employee. Um, so, I mean, I, it was a workout for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very sweaty. Um, yeah. but it was fun. Um, and I have two other real estate related businesses a three-bedroom, two-bath Airbnb that I own and manage. And then I have a very, very tiny bespoke 
um, interior design business completely focused on Airbnb clients. And well, it sounds it. like, you know, you have, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it sounds like you have a really deep love for entrepreneurship and, and building businesses. So do you, when you were growing up, did you have any entrepreneurial influences in your life? Like how did you come into entrepreneurship? Yeah. So actually I, I was a, you know, a warehouse kid myself. My, um, my grandfather actually started a company before I was born called John W. Porter and Sons. And what they did was they would um, purchase what they're called as pre-hung door machines. So anyone that has a door in their house or molding around their door, a machine that's about the size of like several Suburbans, you know, you'll put like a raw slab of wood in it and you'll like press a button and it'll carve out the door or the crown molding around the doors. So, um, you know, his business... Amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy business. So his business would was literally only focused on that one product and they would buy old ones and then refurbish them and then resell them, you know, for about double the price. It was extremely profitable. Um, so they started that before I was born and the business went out of business when I was in college. So my entire life, I never had to deal with, you know, my parents taking off PTO or anything. They were there for every single concert, every single soccer game. And it was just an amazing childhood to grow up in. And my mom was, you know, my mom came over here from the Philippines when she was pregnant with me and her and her sisters actually had a business as well. And they made actually macrame bikinis. Oh my gosh. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So they would hand stitch macrame bikinis. Um, their family is still very, very poor. And they did that to help pay for school for all of their siblings. My mom is one of nine children. So they would just stitch these little bikinis and use the money towards the next younger sibling schooling. That's so cool. And then yeah. you, where did you grow up? Yeah. So I, uh, my parents came back to the U.S. when they were about six months pregnant with me. They met when my dad was in the military. I grew up in Maryland in Cecil County. So it's the top northeast corner of the state, about an hour from Baltimore and 45 minutes south of Philly. So kind of in very, very small town, it's called Chesapeake City. It's the tiniest, cutest little town on the water, um, but between two very big cities and only about an hour from D.C. So small town life, but a lot of time in big cities. So it was really unique area. Amazing. Um, so do you, I know that you are ingrained to, you were ingrained, you had that entrepreneurship representation to you, but were you pushed to be an entrepreneur or were you, how did, how did that happen? Yeah. So uh, surprisingly my family, uh, you know, and it was led by my grandfather. And then when my dad came back from the military, he joined the family company. And when my uncle graduated college, he joined the company as well. So the company was very small. It was essentially, you know, my grandfather was the head who handled all the financing. And then my uncle, Doug, he handled all of the sales he would go all over the country and he was like a, you know, a sales rep. Uh -huh. And then my dad, he worked on jet engines in the Air Force. So he handled all of the mechanics. He fixed every machine that came in here. He operated the forklift. And then they had a, a few other employees, you know, they had an in-house bookkeeper and stuff like that. But they actually never, ever pushed me to do it. Um, my grandparents also were very heavily invested in real estate. They've they were in a real estate group with about five other couples and they would buy up property all over town. And they probably owned like 20% of the homes in the historic district. 
at a, you know, for most of my childhood and they've retired early. So my Amazing. grandparents stopped working full time, maybe when he was 50. So they really didn't work for most of my childhood. And I think it took me until I was much older to realize that, you know, what they had done my whole life and their high savings rate had led them to like, you know, live an amazing life with, you know, helping raise their grandchildren, but they never pushed me into it. It wasn't, I never thought that I was creative enough to follow in their footsteps. I just thought I'll go to college and I'll get a nine to five and I'll just do this forever. I don't have any ideas. And then, you know, I think when, you know, my sister and I, we both got laid off from our jobs during the pandemic. And I was like, you know what, like that was a really amazing experience we had as kids. And like, why would I not try to pursue that as well for my own children? And, you know, my grandparents were like, that would be a great idea. And I was like, you know, do you have any tips? And they're like, when we started a company like 50 years ago, I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, it it was really different back then, I think. Yeah. And it's, Clearly, I mean, you're drawn to entrepreneurship because you have your family and then your sister having been laid off. And then, you know, your fiance, who is also an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, yeah. He has his own marketing agency. So he he was actually a full... Uh, he worked for himself full-time before we met. Um, and when we met, he had gone full-time for one of his clients. And then he started his agency up again around the same time that I started Cozy. So you know, it's been interesting to watch him go through the process with all of his clients. His work is very different. It's not product-based, it's service-based. But, you know, since he's done it, um, you know, we have all these little conversations over dinner about write-offs and things like that. Uh-huh. So it's pretty funny. Yeah. I think that, you know, with there's been a lot of layoffs. And as oh, we yeah. get, you know, further into post-pandemic or, you know, I, I don't even know, know if I can call it post-pandemic yet, but I, I think that people are really starting to realize that they have to innovate or they have to do something or they they don't feel so safe with their, their nine to five jobs or what would they do if they were laid off? So, you know, if you were to, I mean, I, I know it has not been that long because it's only been a cu- couple years, right? I Since- will, yeah, I got laid off in mm-hmm. August of 2020 and I guess my two-year layoff birthday is August of this year. So it, it really hasn't been that long. But I mean, I to be honest, wasn't super surprised because I come from a corporate retail background and retail is a very turbulent environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know Kayla Gray comes from, you know, Kelly comes from a retail background as well. And, you know, whenever, you know, the economy is up and down like this, retail brands, they slash their headcounts very heavily. Uh-huh. So it's a very risky sector to be in, I would say, as, as you know, a new hire or even someone more seasoned in their career, because you can be laid off at any time when the, when the, the economy tanks, because people are most likely not going to the shopping mall when it's a pandemic and everyone's at home with yoga pants and slippers. <laughs> so. Yeah, for sure. But what would you, what would you say to Johanna back then though, a couple years before? I mean, did you imagine any of this, even though, you know, the layoff wasn't exactly a surprise, would you imagine where you are now? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, a few years ago, I was living in Los Angeles paying off gigantic student loan debt. So I really couldn't imagine this in any way. I know that I'd always made a plan to purchase an Airbnb. That was my next goal after I paid my student loans off. That was December of 2018. But I mean, I thought that would just be it. I would just have one Airbnb and it'd be a little side hustle. And, 
you know, I would make money from that to go towards retirement. But I never, ever thought that I would have my own business. I just didn't think I was creative enough. Okay. So where, what was your background then? Um, so I, like my, almost my entire career, I've been doing corporate retail. So, uh-huh. um, I worked for a lot of big brands and my focus has been, you know, retail operations and new store openings. So essentially opening brick and mortar retail stores all over the U S or overseas. Cause I did spend almost all of my twenties living in Asia and I was opening stores over there. So yeah, I worked, uh, the last brand I worked for was a boot company. I'm, I was working for Skechers Corporate when I was in Los Angeles, and I was handling their visuals there for their domestic stores. But I started on the international and Asia team when I first joined the company. Amazing. I mean, <laughs> so interesting. I mean, I feel like it's all come to this you know, point for you where it's like, oh, of, of course you'd take your skill sets and you know hit the ground running with all the things that you're doing. So that's absolutely amazing. Hey, product boss. Okay, this is for you. The other day, we got a message from Lolly asking us if we had a referral for a great inventory management software to help track raw goods and on-hand products that were ready to sell. And you know what we told Lolly? We sure do. Not only do we have a resource for inventory management software, but we have over 308 other business tools and resources that will help you effectively run your product-based business. Now, this ranges from packaging and printing supplies, affiliate management, website and email software, legal resources, video and photo tools, and so much more. You will have everything you need to grow your dream product business today and at no cost to you. Yep, this is totally free and you can download the Product Boss Ultimate Resource Guide right now by heading to theproductboss.com slash resource guide. Again, that's theproductboss.com slash resource guide. Now back to the show. So where do you see yourself going from here though, right? Because you have all these different businesses. Are you starting to think about where you'll go in the, ne- in the next couple years? Yeah, definitely. So I think for us, I'm, you know, it was really hard. I mean, for me, it was hard to make the decision to just not pursue another nine to five after I was laid off for my fiance. He, he didn't think I should pursue a nine to five at all. He was like, why would you try to get another job in this environment? And Um, you know, we, we want to have a family and, you know, I, that would not have been sustainable with my previous roles. Like I was traveling 50 to 75% of the time on the road, opening stores, you know, looking at, uh, locations and, you know, that with, you know, having a little baby would just not be possible. And, you know, I think, you know, towards, you know, the middle of the pandemic, I was just like, you know, what's really important to us as a couple, you know, spending time with our aging parents, my grandparents, like having a family, that's, that's more important than, you know, working at a retail company, you know, nights, weekends, holidays, you know, for a six figure paycheck, but you're exchanging that for family time that you can't ever get back. So I think that our focus for both of us together and for Porter Candle Supply is creating like a sustainable business for families, including ours to thrive. Um, so everyone that works for us at Porter Candle Supply actually owns their own business as well outside of working for us. So, you know, we want the business to be sustainable enough to support, you know, myself, our family, help both of our parents with retirement. Um, you know, like good Asian children, we definitely <laughs> want to be helping our parents out with 
everything they need financially um, when they start to leave the workforce, which is going to be happening over the next couple of years. So, you know, that's what we're doing now. And, you know, I'm really glad I got to spend time with both of you last week to just kind of talk through, you know, taking that one extra day off of work per week, because we, we want to be able to step out of our businesses more to encourage our team to take more ownership of certain categories so that we have time for, you know, family life. Um, So that's kind of our focus is build Porter Candle Supply up as much as possible, build a great team, hire a diverse team, um, help our team grow their own businesses too. And for us to be able to kind of live and work wherever we'd like to and kind of have a little bit of a nomadic, nomadic lifestyle. I love it. I do want to talk about a little bit about last week. You know, one yeah. of the things that we do see when people come from corporate backgrounds or they come from a um, kind of a nine to five setting that they're more accustomed to investing in themselves, right? They understand, you know, you invest in y- your own education, you invest in being a connector. You're a amazing connector in, <laughs> in the group. And I think that when you come from, you know, I happened upon pouring candles, it's a little bit different. We have to kind of, get them to the point where it's like, yeah, you have to invest in yourself or, you know, with you, your background came from entrepreneur. So you understood the the return on investment idea. So for you, what made you sign up for a mastermind? Is it something that you've done before or, or what were, what was your reason for joining? Um, I think one of the reasons, I mean, there's so many reasons and, you know, I really got like this shiny endorsement from Kelly because I know her from the candle community. And I was like, I'm thinking about joining this, but I'm a supplier and I'm kind of an oddball. And she's like, just do it. (laughs) Um, And I was like, I trust you, so I'll do it. So I think for me, I, you know, to be completely transparent, I feel often very lonely in my business. I met my future husband at work and we were in different departments. He was heading up the marketing team. I was heading up retail operations. We worked different roles, but we were at work together and like collaborating on a lot of things. And I really, really enjoyed that. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met and I admire him so much. Once I started my own business, it went from, you know, working with a really high energy team, traveling all over the country to being just at home working with him to working a hundred percent by myself. And my only coworker was a French bulldog. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean he is great, but he doesn't have a lot of good ideas. <laughs> so, you know, in our, you know, I only had one part-time employee and I had my full-time warehouse manager join in July and you know, I was just like, this is a lot, you know, our business did big numbers last year. And I did not expect that. And I have so many amazing friends in the Austin maker community. But it's kind of you have because I'm very transparent about numbers, because I think if you are not deep in with your numbers, whether it's your personal finances, student loans, or your business, your business has a chance at dying. And, you know, it's really hard to say, you know, hey, jewelry maker friend, I'm really trying to make $80,000 this month. Do you have any ideas? And they're like, oh, like I'm mm-hmm. making, you know, I'm making D to C, you know, and 5,000 is a good month for me. So I just think that once you get to a certain revenue level, and especially with, I'm a B2B business and our products are very heavy, you have completely different problems that ail you and keep you up at night. So I was just really looking for a community of, you know, small business owners that I could learn from that have done what I want to do and maybe, you know, save me a couple of those sleepless nights. And I've, you know, already met so many amazing people 
that have had really great ideas. And, you know, a lot of them are in Texas too. So it's, you know, we can share vendors because I'm an open book. Like if anyone wants to know anything, you know, you want my shipping broker, here's his number, that type of thing. So I think it's been really helpful to just have that community and friendship to kind of commiserate, but also celebrate the wins together with. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, when you're in corporate, I think this is the, you know, we don't talk about this a lot. I think that that this would be such a great podcast episode for Jacqueline and I to talk about is the fact that when you when you're when you leave a corporate setting or even when you leave any sort of job, you become an entrepreneur and most times people will quit because they really really miss whether introvert extrovert having people around them and they Idea. think that it's their team they think it's their team that's going to prevent the loneliness but the team can't actually full scope understand your problems you know yeah so yeah. um like you get in you all you become an entrepreneur you start to be a ceo you start to have this team and then you realize i actually need to pay for a mastermind or a peer group or some sort of learning or coaching or, you know, strategic thing where I don't feel as lonely because it isn't going to be my team that's going to get me through this loneliness. You know, it wasn't my coworkers back then. It wasn't my team now. Mm -hmm. Um, it's this other group of people that I have to kind of elevate with. So I think it, it does get really lonely and you start to discover that as you become like a more seasoned, you know, entrepreneur of, you know, you start hitting bigger revenue levels, but if it's people that don't have the same like-mindedness, mm -hmm. it's so hard to, you know, stay motivated to not oh, want yeah. to quit. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think another thing too, which, um, you know, I think several people were talking about this last week in person as well as, you know, put boundaries to your personal life. Like my fiance and I, we own this business together, but, you know, I own separate businesses separate of him and he has his own business and a nine to five. So I think, you know, it did cause a little bit of a strain on our relationship because he would come home from work, his nine to five, be checking mm -hmm. in with his marketing clients. And then I'd be like chomping at the bit to be like, guess what happened today? This is uh -huh. crazy. What do I do? And he's like, I need to just sit down for a minute. <laughs> I need to just relax. Like, Sounds like my husband. He's yeah, like, he's like, you know, let's just have dinner. Let's feed the dog. And I was like, no, but I'm ready to talk about everything. So I think that joining the mastermind has really helped because, you know, I would just wait at, you know, I wait at the warehouse or wait at home for him to come home and me just verbal diarrhea all over him about the uh -huh. business. And it's like our relationship exists outside of our businesses. Yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah. it's very easy for someone like me to forget that. You kind of become your small businesses and it takes over your whole life. But it shouldn't because you have a you had a relationship before these businesses and you're gonna have a relationship, you know, during and after. So you should be talking about other things that are not small business related. So it's great to have you know, our cohorts to just, you know, text someone or Voxer someone or email someone to say like, Hey, like I'm having a really hard day. Like, how are you feeling? So I think I just love that piece too. And it's, it's definitely helped my relationship be a little sunnier in the evenings, I would say. <laughs> yeah. When I would do that to my husband, he would be like, Whoa, can I just eat first? You know, yes. kind of be gentle with me. But I literally was like you said, chomping at the bit. And, um, then it makes me feel better, but it makes him feel horrible. <laughs> You know, because he wants to fix things for me or he's not, you know, the decisions are just, you know, different or, you know, he has his own lens and everything like that. So I totally agree with it. I think it's, 
I agree with the boundaries thing of that there are simply, you know, it's like, even in your personal life, you definitely have different relationships with different people. So, you know, you have your relationships with your sisters, perhaps, and your friends and your, your husband or your fiance or whatever it is. And oftentimes, you know, you will, they have a different perspective on all of it. So completely, you know, yeah. And having the mastermind people, I'm sure it's like, a whole bunch of different perspectives. It is. And I think with him and, you know, I kind of try to tell him, I'm like, look, you go to work every day and you talk to real live humans. Mm -hmm. Uh, You talk to adults, you have adult conversations because sometimes I'm working remote. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the one packing the boxes anymore. So, you know, I might not be at the warehouse. I might be working from home or working from Florida or wherever. And you don't, you know, I have become a little bit of an introvert too. And it's like, you don't realize that you miss that sort of collaborative interaction until you literally do not have it. And I think that he still doesn't hundred percent comprehend it. Cause I'm like, you have an entire division that works under you. You have mm-hmm. meetings, you have, you know, lunch dates with your boss. You know, I, I don't have any of that. <laughs> so it's just yeah. nice to connect with everyone. It's so nice to see that there are so many masterminders that live in Texas and we all plan on meeting up in person as well to continue helping each other and, you know, building that in-person friendship. I love it. You know, the the dynamic is simply different, you know? So a lot, even as introverts, even when you get in person, there's a bounce off that happens, you yes. know? So um, if you, there's a bounce off that happens online, I always say you can absolutely fall in love online. You know, you can get business partnerships online, you know, look at me and Jacqueline, but it's just different when you're in person, there's, you know, nothing to, there's not a screen to stop the dynamic, you know, it's just full surge of falling in love, I guess, you know, so, um, it is, or, or not falling in love, you know, immediately if you don't, (laughs) if you don't want want to fall in love. (laughs) I fell in love with a lot of people in Scottsdale last week. I'll be honest. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was amazing, right? It was, it was, I definitely look forward to the next one. Okay, so let us know um, what are what are you looking forward forward to for your business for for Porter Candle Supply? You know what is on the horizon. So for this year, we are essentially on track to double our revenue. Um, so that's that's our revenue pie in the sky that we're working on right now. Um, we might even exceed that. So I'm very excited about that. And then this quarter, we have a big focus on team. So we are really focusing on potentially doubling or tripling our team at Porter Candle Supply. So if anyone here is in Austin, please send me an email or DM if you, <laughs> you're interested in working for us. And that is a really big focus for us. And really for our some of our leads, like my warehouse manager, and we have a girl that I promoted last week, to have them really gaining ownership in their categories so that I can start taking the rocks out of my backpack and push you know, them to you know, really take ownership on a lot of those projects that will drive revenue. So I can focus on what I need to do to drive revenue for the business. Um, and then, you know, outside of that, I kind of want to start tailoring a lot more of our marketing and emails and everything like that a little bit away from selling and more towards, you know, just supporting and helping small businesses grow their business. So, you know, one thing I really took away from working at Skechers was everyone there would always say, we're not a shoe company. And I was like, well, we sell these foam shoes. And they would say, we're a marketing company that sells shoes. And I was like, that's crazy. Because, you know, companies like, you know, the Nikes and 
the Under Armors and all these brands that I've worked for, you know, they are like marketing and imagery and video first. Mm -hmm. And the sales and the revenue is driven at by product of those revenue driving activities. So I think for me, instead of being really revenue focused, I really want to focus on, you know, like coaching and engaging and helping fostering small businesses grow. So whether that's like how to improve your shipping packages, how to get professional um, labels, how to work on your cost of goods. And we've already started to do these uh, measures in a lot of our email marketing. And it's, it's crazy because, you know, we'll have an email that has nothing to do with our product and we'll make three or $5,000 from that email. And for me, that makes me feel like I'm doing good with my business. And on the back end, if these businesses thrive, that means we will thrive. So I just think that if that becomes our focus versus pushing product, it's just going to, you know, make us a more sustainable brand in terms of like having that really close relationship with our customers, because we are Mm -hmm. a very different candle supplier. You know, we are not like any other candle supplier out there. And I want to continue to be that way. Yeah. And for everybody who's listening, it's because Johanna's um, uh, business is business to business. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different, but same sort of concept, right? I think that the 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 whole takeaway here is is what we always say, and that it's more than just the product, right? Yes. So Skechers wasn't shoes. It was marketing. It was angles. It was really like seeing your life getting while you're wearing Skechers shoes in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you yes. know? And then for you, it's, you know, because you're business to business, though you're selling candle supplies, it's much more than that. People buy candle supplies because they want to build a business. They don't understand how to build a candle business. They feel lonely, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. pouring candles, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, has to do with that. That's the more than just the product when it comes to Porter candle supply. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I think one thing that I've learned being in the candle community is that, most of the makers, most of our customers, they started out making candles as a hobby. And it was something fun that they did to, you know, relax or relieve stress or give us gifts. And that is, you know, really something special. But for me, candle making was never really a hobby. I made it maybe for a month. And selfishly, I made candles during the pandemic because my fiance would spend so much money on candles. I was like, you need to relax with going to CB2 <laughs> and buying these $50 candles, like chill out. <laughs> I was literally trying to bring the candle budget down. Um, so I've always really looked at candles from a financial perspective, whether that's like mm-hmm. lowering our candle budget at home uh-huh. or, you know, quickly turning into a revenue stream for us, you know, a multiple income stream. I think a lot of makers start making candles as a hobby, but they don't make candles as a business. And it's very hard to go from hobbyist maker to a profitable business, especially with candles, because the price, the prices for raw materials are out of control. Like wax mm-hmm. is up 56% from two years ago. So I think that that is, you know, the demise of a lot of candle brands is that they're really not, they're thinking of making a great product, like making a great candle. And there are so many amazing people out there that can teach you how to make a great candle um, that I've learned from. For me, mm-hmm. I want to teach my makers how to make a great, profitable candle business because I want them to be able to quit their day jobs, stay uh-huh. home with their children, raise their children, you know, take this business on the road um, and, you know, live whatever type of lifestyle that they want to live that might be constrained by a nine to five currently. Yeah, for sure. Um, and for all of you listening, CB2 is 
a sister company of a Crate and Barrel. I actually just discovered it because I didn't, oh. I think you know of it because you're from Los Angeles and you're in Austin. But around here, mm-hmm. I only knew of it because of Jacqueline. And it is, Gorgeous. it's really modern, yes. but it is phenomenal. Like it's, Beautiful. imagine the luxury version or more modern version of Crate and Barrel. So imagine a candle from there. It is. Yeah. And they don't, they don't like, (laughs) they don't make their own candles. They carry a lot of external brands, which I do Uh love that they, they buy from a lot of like smaller companies, which is really awesome. It's just that these candles are really, really expensive. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I started making candles for fun, you know, of course, Zane, you know, went out and dug into the Google analytics. He's like, let me see what the candle industry is doing right now. (laughs) He's like, it's up 300% during COVID. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So he was like, I think you really could do this. And I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I love that because your unique, your unique point that you have on this whole entire thing is the fact that, you know, though you had your brand, you also have the, you, the B2B was what really took off, right? The supplies. And it was because the unique uh, thing that you offer is supply chain right? You, you're able to get, you're, you had the foresight to know that these supplies were going to be scarce and not, I mean, I know it sounds easy to find supplies. It is not. Okay. It is something that not everybody understands how to do. And then also with you, the education on top of that, you know, the knowledge, the approaching in a different way of just being, you know, knowledge is power in, in, in so many different ways, access to knowledge. So going from a maker mindset of sorts to, you know, more of a business of candles is, is your unique stance on it. So I love that. I think it's going to be amazing. And I'm so glad that you're on here. And if you could tell our listeners how to share, well, actually, would they be able to buy from you, share you buy from you, at least get in contact with you, you know, where can they find you? Um, yeah, so we, uh, we only operate now. We, we, our, our Etsy shop is defunct now, so you can find us on there. It's not active. So we have our own Shopify website that is portercandlesupply.com. And we also have a Facebook, which is called Porter Candle Supply. And we have our Instagram, which is also Porter Candle Supply. And I can also set up a little product boss discount code um, if Jennifer would like to share that with the group as well. And if you know anyone has any questions about candle making or wax melts, please feel free to reach out to me or you know, I'm happy to really help anyone with anything. Yeah. If you, um, we can set it up on, I mean, do you want to just say what the code is and we'll put it into the show notes? Oh yeah. We can do TPG, uh, the product boss. So TPB, TPB, TPB 10. Yeah. And I'll set that up in Shopify right after this, uh, this goes down. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Johanna. It was such a pleasure and so happy to have you on here. Thank you. And happy AAPI heritage month. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Bye everybody. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive. And we are all about helping each other in the product boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, 
and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us. This episode is brought to you by the Shop One in Five Pledge and Small Business Shopping Directory. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. So head to shoponeinfive.com to take the pledge. And friend, while you are there, check out and shop from hundreds of small businesses in the Small Business Shopping Directory. It's the go-to directory to discover, support, and shop small businesses all in one place. Head to shop1in5.com.